Lord is good, amen. Uh, how many have been out to the church site? Have you been out there? You, you, you know, it's just amazing what's uh, taking place. Uh, they've got the, uh, the rear exterior wall on, roofs on, and I think the west side wall, and then some of the soffit and some of that will be taking shape soon. And I'm told that they're going to pour the concrete floor within the first week or two of August. So that's going to be nice. So every Saturday, we've been going out to the site and uh, for prayer from 9 to 10. Uh, and then I was told also to make an announcement, and we'll have some updated announcements, that Joy's going to have a men's breakfast here this next Saturday here at around 7.30 uh, for the men. And then uh, there'll be a time of fellowship, brief teaching, and then at 9, all of the guys that go there will we'll head out to pray at the site. So I just want to encourage you. It'll be a great time for guys to get together. Amen? Around food, too. So... Um, so that's this coming, this Saturday. Um, the other thing, quickly, before we get into the Harvest Legacy Fund, some say, why is Pastor Mike dressed up? I have a funeral to go to. Many of you know, uh, Mary Lee, her mom, Marlis, has passed away. She's attended a few times. Uh, it was about uh, three weeks ago, and so there's a, m- a memorial service. But some of you remember Aaron, her dad, and he passed away this, this week. And Aaron is with Jesus, so they've combined the services together. So I will be doing that here in a moment. Uh, we'll be leaving shortly. But uh, uh, we have a, just keep her in your prayers. If you know Marlis, uh, feel, uh, excuse me, Mary Lee, uh, feel free to give her a text and let her know uh, you're praying for her. And that's today. Our Harvest Legacy Fund. So this week, we get to fill in 24 chairs. This is amazing. This is amazing. God is speaking to people. He is moving upon them. And every dollar, every chair that is taken care of, we're just like seven chairs away from halfway, and we just started this. Uh, and so, so he is waking people up. He is speaking to them. They are giving to this project. And this puts us in a great position financially as we cover these 300 chairs uh, by this fall, uh, loan-wise, as we move into a new facility. And we're so excited about that. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for God moving on people's hearts and for you all for your for your faithfulness. Even the tithes are up continually, so we haven't suffered in that. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. And so, uh, with that, uh, how many have heard Angie Gergen speak before? Let me see your hand. Well, she's going to address some of the hot topic questions. She has a little bit more time this service than we had the first one. And so, I'd love you all just to give a warm welcome to Angie Gergen as she comes and teaches this morning, leads us in God's Word. Thank you, Angie. Thank you. Thank you. Got a little more time. And you guys have a little more caffeine. So, I expect that you're going to be engaged and interactive amen (laughs) all right engaged and interactive amen Amen. all right here we go (laughs) well first of all i just want to um thank pastor mike and rhonda for allowing me to share today obviously they're still doing the work of the ministry right but i just want to tell you how grateful i am for our pastors because as long as i've known them i've never known them to be stagnant people I've known them to be constant, I've known them to be faithful, and I've known them to be builders. I've seen them build homes, I've seen them build church buildings, and I've seen them pour out their lives and build other people's lives. And I'm, I'm one of those people, and I'm just so grateful 
that they are always in constant pursuit of the things of God to build the kingdom of God. And so they stepped out for a moment, but can we just give our pastors a hand and just thank God for them and what they do? I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that they're intentional about building and equipping church, that they see that God has gifts and and they want to see those gifts activated. They're faithful in that. So this morning I get to join in the series of hot topics. And I got to tell you, I'm loving this series. I love the questions that are being asked, questions about why do you do what you do? Why, why does it look this way in the kingdom? They're all great questions. And what I sense in the spirit is that even as we're building a church building right now, God is saying, yeah, bring on those questions. God does not shy away from hard questions. He says, bring on those questions because he wants to build in the spirit and make sure that he lays a good foundation in your life and in your faith, that you can walk confidently and boldly in that, knowing what you believe, knowing why you believe what you believe, and you can pour out into the lives of others with the faith that God has given you. Amen? So God doesn't look at questions and ever think that those shouldn't be asked. He invites those questions in, and he actually looks at it as an extension of our faith when we go to God and we say, well, God, what about this? Or why is that? God doesn't shy away from that. He looks at that as faithful. And so I believe that God is using this series to build greater clarity and greater understanding to strengthen your faith. And I'm so glad that I can be a part of that and teach you this morning. And so I get to teach this morning on one of the things that God just holds near and dear. You know what? There's two things that God is madly in love with. The first thing is the lost, right? God is all about the lost. And the second thing is his bride. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the church. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, for opportunity to share and declare your word. Lord, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit just to anoint this message, anoint this time. Lord, help me to declare it rightfully and with skill. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear hearts to understand, that we can grow in your kingdom and grow in understanding and grow in faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So God is madly in love with the church. It's one of the things that occupies his time. In fact, in the scripture, it talks about the church being the bride of Christ. And he is persistent about building up the bride of Christ. Why? So that the bride can present herself to him without spot or wrinkle with nothing missing, nothing broken. In fact, Scripture also refers to the church or the bride of Christ as a city on the hill. What's with the city on the hill? It, it draws others to Jesus. It can be seen from afar. It reflects the glory of Jesus Christ. So one of the questions that has come up in our Hot Topic series is, why would I join a church? And when I was thinking on that question, I thought about the day and age that we live in. Why would you join a church? In today's technology-saturated society, you have access to millions of really great podcasts and teaching, right? You have access at your fingertips to multiple versions of the Bible in every single language, right? You have access to iTunes and Spotify. You could download the latest and greatest worship, and you could just sit and saturate yourself with that. And I would say you should. You should. God did not intend you to grow spiritually only on Sunday morning. 
He expects that you get into his word, that you spend time in prayer with him, that you feed yourself and you feast on things of the word Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that you come to church filled up, right? Because you've been feeding on that. But why is it when you have access to all that, why would you join a church? Well, I will tell you it's scriptural. It's God's idea for you to be plugged in and activated in a church family. It's in the church family that we find connection. It's in the church family that we find family. It's in the church family that is the place where ministry happens, where people will come alongside and pray for you. They'll encourage you. They'll help you discover the gifts and activate those that God has put in your life. They'll cast a godly vision over your life. It's where spiritual learning and growth happens. It's where miracles take place. Miracles take place in the church family, and lives are transformed. You're equipped. It's where discipline can happen. Oh, nobody wants to hear that word, right? But how many times there's just some time where we need someone to come alongside and say, you know what? I love you enough to speak truth into your life. We're going to clean that smudge off because God's got something greater, and I'm going to walk with you to a higher level so that you can grow in the character and faith of God. We need that discipline. We need that godly discipline, and we need godly discipleship. And church is the place that has an expansive focus that lasts for all eternity. When I was prepping for this message, this one scripture stood out to me, and I kind of wrestled with it because I thought, I don't know how it fits in, but I couldn't shake it, so I'm going to share it with you this morning. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now Jesus has died, he's resurrected, and he's shown himself alive again to the disciples. And he calls them to Jerusalem, and he says, here, I want you to gather. And he's starting the early church, and this is what he says. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Okay, well, Pastor Mike has been preaching on these hot topics, and last week he taught on prayer, and he talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We are a church that believes in the full Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, his baptism, and that miraculous power that he gives to us. And so, but here's the thing, here's the thing. When you read this again, there's a little geography lesson that takes place. It says, but you shall receive power, miraculous power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Guess where they were meeting? They were meeting in Jerusalem. You shall be witnesses of me in the local church, in the region of which I've planted you in. And then in all Judea, guess what Judea represents? Judea is national. You shall be witnesses of me to your nation through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Samaria, do you know who he's talking to? He's talking to the Jews that typically don't mix with the Samaritans. He says, when you're empowered with the Holy Spirit, the testimony and the faith that I've given you, they will cro- it will cross cultures. How many of you know we need a faith that's alive and well in the living God that will cross cultures in today's society? Amen? And that's what Jesus is saying. Your faith will be cross-cultural to the end of the earth. And I love this so much because the end of the earth means that when Jesus spoke this to those disciples, he looked through all of eternity and he saw you, Church for the Harvest. He saw you, and he said, and you shall be witnesses to me, to all the nations. He said, you will have an effect internationally and cross-culturally 
and generationally. God is interested in building legacy. You see, the kingdom of heaven is constant in its expansion. It goes across cultures. It goes across nations. It goes across generations. That excites me. Jesus gathered them together and said, now I want you to wait because in this place, I'm going to transfer power and responsibility of doing and teaching the kingdom of God through the authority and baptism of the Holy Spirit. We carry that power and that responsibility. Amen. That is so exciting to me. But I want you to know the outpouring of the Holy Spirit doesn't overpower us. It empowers us. There's a difference. Like we're waiting for the Holy Spirit just to kind of move us from one place to the other. And he goes, no, I don't overpower you. I empower you with a unified heart, a unified purpose, a unified spirit, I empower you with the power to act, the power to serve, the power to heal, the power to deliver, the power to find the lost, and to boldly declare Jesus to establish his church. There's something that happens when we gather together. It's a corporate anointing. It cannot happen in the party of one. Amen. Amen. So with the power of the Holy Spirit, God continued to move through the believers and grow and add to the church. And we see this as we go through Acts chapter 2, 41 and 42. It says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. They kept track. They kept track of who were members and who weren't. They had to know who they were responsible for. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. Acts 4.4 emphasizes this again. How many of those who, however, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of men came to be about 5,000. They were watching the Holy Spirit grow the church, and they knew who was part of the church body. It was significant to keep track of those who were being added as believers, because just like it is today, believers church leadership, and our pastors bear a responsibility to one another, and we're accountable to God in that. It's significant to keep track of that. So when we put an emphasis on church membership, it's because we want to know who we're accountable to. We want to know who we're responsible in ministering to. It's scriptural. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, so guard your hearts. Now this is Paul talking to church elders, and he says, so guard your hearts. Be true shepherds over all the flocks and feed them well. Remember, it was the Holy Spirit who appointed you to guard and oversee the churches that belong to Jesus, the anointed one, which he purchased and established with his blood. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders. Well, there's a call. We have a responsibility. When we choose a church body to to go into covenant with, when we say we're going to be members of this church body, it's because we believe they're, they're preaching the uncompromised word of God. And they're honoring all of God, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and recognize their authority, for they keep watch over your soul without resting, since they will have to give an account to God for their work. So it will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden. How many of you know there is a way to follow well? Amen. Amen. And so I just want to be one of those people in church that is all about the kingdom and is a blessing to lead <laughs> because it benefits, it's beneficial. Some of you are catching on to that. 
We don't want to be a burden to lead. We want to be a benefit to lead and be a blessing to those in leadership. Amen? So when we sit and we talk about church leadership, or talk about church membership and engaged in the family of God, I want you to know that there are benefits that come along with that. There's benefits that come along with that. For one, when you're part of a church family, you get to discover things that you never realized were there. There's a scripture that I've recently come across. Oh, I'm getting a message. Thank you. There's a scripture I recently came across that says um, in Proverbs 1, verse 4, verse in the uh, Passion Translation, it says, These Proverbs will give you great skill to teach the immature and make them wise, to give youth the understanding of their design and destiny. Okay, now I want you to catch this. The, this message up there was telling me, hold the mic closer to my mouth, and it caught me off guard. So here we go. I don't want you to miss this point, okay? Here's the thing. God wants you invested in the family of God. Why? Because he's put something in you, and he wants you to discover it. And where you're going to discover it is not in your workplace. It's not at the bar. It's not hooking up with whatever. It's going to be in the body of Christ. And here's what Proverbs 1-4 says. It says, these Proverbs will give you great skill to teach the immature and make them wise, to give youth the understanding of their design and, desi and their design and destiny. Each and every one of you has a divine design and a divine destiny. And there is a real enemy out there that does not want you to discover it. Because if you got a hold of your divine design and your divine destiny, you would be a threat to hell and you would be advancing the kingdom of heaven. There is a real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy your divine design and destiny. And even though this scripture talks about the youth gaining understanding of it, I think there's people in here or people hearing this message today that you're in your 50s and nobody has ever spoken to that divine design and destiny. But God has never changed his mind about it. It is an existence and I'm going to prove it to you right now. And I'm going to do it through another hot topic. It's going to be about the weather. So hang tight with me because one thing I know about Minnesotans, we love to talk about the weather. It's too hot, it's too cold, it's too wet, it's too dry, but just give it a few minutes or a couple days, it's going to change. If you don't like it, it's going to change. So I want to talk about the weather really quick. If you'll go to the next picture, on July 9th, this month, Death Valley hit an astonishing 130 degrees Fahrenheit. 130 degrees Fahrenheit. That's four degrees shy of an all-time record high July 10th, 1913, when this same area was 134 degrees. Now here's a picture of Death Valley. If you look at this, you see a dry and barren land. There's no life there. It's hot. There's nothing to draw you there. And here's the thing about Death Valley. The reason why it stays so hot is because it's below sea level and it's surrounded by mountains. So what happens is the sun burns down on that land and then the hot air rises like we know hot air does, but there's nowhere for it, to, for it to escape because it's surrounded by mountains. And then it falls, and then it rises, and it falls, and it keeps getting hotter and hotter. And because of the way the mountains are positioned, any storm cell that tries to come in off the Pacific, any kind of rain that comes in off the Pacific, it gets squeezed out by the mountains and never makes it to this basin. 
Now, when you look at this basin, you see dry, cracked, hard ground. You don't see anything there like what we're so familiar with in Minnesota, right? Rich, fertile soil. Can anything grow in that environment? No. You'd say nothing can grow in that environment, but here's the thing that you don't see. Here's the thing you don't see in this dry ground is there are millions of seeds in that dry ground. Millions of seeds in that dry ground. And every so often, about once every 10 years, a rare occurrence happens. And what happens is a storm cell breaks through those mountains. And the thing that you think has no promise, the thing that you think has no life in it, the thing that you think has no destiny in it, all of a sudden experiences what they call a super bloom. And they have, go ahead to the next picture, it becomes a super bloom. It happens once every 10 years. And what shifted in that season right there? The environment changed. And I wanted to challenge you today that I believe that some of you have a heart that you say, God, there's, there's nothing there. I don't know that I've got a calling. I don't know that I've got a destiny. Nobody's ever spoken that to me. And God would say to you, no, the seed is there. The seed is there, but the purpose is you need to get into the right environment because God wants to do a super bloom in your life. All of those seeds at that right time are in the right environment and they take root and they flourish and they blossom and they say, if you're there when that happens, you have to see it because it's such a rare occurrence and it lasts for only a short amount of time. But God would say to you, no, I want to do a super bloom in your life that lasts for all eternity, that it flourishes and it continues to produce and there's more and more seed. I got to tell you, it says in Psalms 92, 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. God did not create us to barely get by. He did not create us to just bloom for a season and then, um, and then just perish. He created us to continuously bloom and blossom and to be fruitful in the house of God. Amen. Amen. So how does that happen? When we're plugged into the local church, it happens through discipleship. And discipleship has been a key factor in my world, in my spiritual growth. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Where do we grow in the things of God? Where do we discover our destiny and grow in it? It happens in relationship. It's in the church that we get to pray for one another and we get to bear each other's burdens. Church family stands with you when life tries to knock you down. And let me tell you, life will try to knock you down. There will be things that will blindside you. But when you're plugged into a church family, they come alongside and they rally and they battle with you, believing God for a miracle. Amen? The other thing I want to bring out that church, happen, church membership produces is it gives you opportunity to build legacy. We recently wrapped up kids camp this week, and we had um, Caitlin out there. She was uh, serving as a counselor, camp counselor. Miriam was serving as a camp counselor. Uh, she was up here on the worship team. Landon Wagner was serving as a camp counselor. It's so fun to see them out there serving as camp counselors because I've known each and every one of those kids since they were babies. And they've grown up in the house of God, and now they're serving the next generation. And I just want to show you a picture of my son Caleb here. This is him when he's about 10 years old. 
He's at kids camp. And right now he's a 22-year-old man serving in the United States Air Force, the Eglin Air Force Base. He called me this week. He says, Mom, it's been a really busy week. Been working all day, and then I go to church at, in um, Crestview. I go to church. I've been doing VF, or VBS. Been doing VBS and pouring into ministry there. So, Caleb, how many kids did you have? 150 kids come into VBS. He goes, I get home at 11 o'clock every night. I said, you kept 150 kids out till 11 o'clock every night? He says, no, no, no. He says, we would do the ministry and then we'd clean up and prep for the next day. And they reached out to 150 kids in that community. Here's what I love to see. Somebody in our church family took time to invest in my son. And there he is as a young man abandoned in worship to God. It's in those moments that he made God his own God. It's in those moments God became his own God. When I see my daughter and son-in-law bring the grandkids in because God is their God and legend is dancing before the Lord during worship and Zane's little arms go up at the age of one worshiping God, I see legacy. I see God building something for eternity when Caitlin's up here on the worship team, because God is her God, I see legacy. When you plug in to church family and you're purposeful about building the house of God, he is faithful about building your house and building your legacy. That is the benefit to serving in God's kingdom. But there's something that happens as we mature and grow and serve in the house of God. There's a transition that takes place, amen? It's not about all about coming to church to see what can happen for me, right? As we discover those gifts, as we start rubbing shoulders with other people and discipleship happens, as we're serving in the house of God, what starts to change in our hearts? We come to church and we say, all right, God, what do you got to do through me today? Amen. We start to partner with God. It's not all about what am I going to get at church. It's about what am I going to give at church. It's about when I'm standing at the door doing door greeting and I intercept that this person had a really rough week and they just need an extra little bit of TLC and encouragement. I'm the first smiling face they've seen all week. It's about those things, right? It's about serving great coffee that keeps us caffeinated so we're well engaged in the service. Amen. Amen. But what is God going to do through you? Because what God did in you as a miracle, God wants to reproduce and do through you. You are not a dry valley. You are a super bloom that keeps on blooming. Amen. So God says, in, when you plug into the local church and you're part of a church body, you get to serve. You get to serve and you get to give. It's part of our responsibility. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 13, it says, there's a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There's a differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. So I love this scripture because of the day and age we live in. There's such an emphasis here in this scripture. There's a diversity of gifts. You all have different gifts and callings, and we need every single one of them. We need every single one of them. 
but the same spirit. A differences in ministries. We've got life groups. We've got women's ministry. We've got children's ministry. We've got men's ministry. A differences in ministry. Outlets in every direction, but the same Lord. There's unity there. There's a diversity of activities. We get egg hunts. We get pursuit nights. We get block parties. You know what all that is? It's all just different avenues to try to reach people's heart for Jesus and introduce them to the king. But guess what? We carry the unified purpose of the same God. Society would tell you you cannot be diverse and unified at the same time, and God is saying, no, that's exactly who I am. I love diversity. I've planted it in the church. I utilize it to build the kingdom, and I love unity, and they go hand in hand in the church of God. Amen? And when you get a revelation by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't just benefit you, it benefits others. And you go on through that scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and they give examples of it. Some of you have the gift of the word of wisdom. Some of you have the word of revelation and knowledge. Some of you have gifts of faith. Some have gifts of healing. Some of you are able to work miracles or prophesy. Some of you have administrative gifts and helps. We need them all. Not one is more valuable than the other. They're only not good if they're not in use. <laughs> we need them all. Amen. And so as church members, we get to serve. We get to discover what God has put in us. We get to develop it. We get to glean from discipleship. But then we also get to be the disciplers and the equippers in the church family and to pour out and to build his kingdom. That's what happens when we, when we serve. Growth happens. Amen. Just like just like serving, we carry the responsibility to give, to give into the kingdom of God. And we teach every Sunday. We have people that come up. Phil did a great job this morning. We teach every Sunday about the blessing to give and to give our tithes, our offering, to give sacrificially. One of the questions that came up was, well, do they watch what you give? And I understand the sensitivity of the question. I would just want to say, aren't you glad good records are kept? Aren't you glad good records are kept? Nobody scours over your giving. It's not a scorecard. But one of the things that happens is we get to celebrate $24,000 coming in this week for the church building. I'm so grateful good records are kept. <laughs> I'm so grateful at the end of the year when it's time to prep for taxes and Julie sends out the end of the year giving statements to everyone that good records are kept. I'm so grateful that we are above reproach when it comes time for auditing. Pastor Mike and Rhonda say, you know what, I know I can sleep well at night because Julie, our treasurer, does an outstanding, excellent job. She's meticulous at what you do, at what she does. I'm so thankful for that. But do you know what else I'm thankful about? I'm thankful that I'm part of a church body that preaches and teaches the full word of God, what it means to be obedient in our giving, what it means to, to experience the blessing of God as a result of that obedience. But they don't preach and teach it just to us as individuals, but we do it as a corporate body. Do you know that everything that you give to this church body, 10%, right off the top, goes to missions? We tithe 10% out to missions to be a blessing. We have funds for benevolence, and we're responsible with our bills. How many of you appreciate the lights on today? 
Amen? We're responsible and we're accountable. We're transparent with it. You get quarterly giving statements. You're up to date on what's going on with the church. Why? So you can join your faith with what God is doing in and through our giving. Amen? Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's the one treasure that lasts for all eternity? People. It's people. You're not going to be able to take your fancy boat, your big fancy house, your fat 401k to heaven, but you are going to be able to take people. And so when we're part of that church family that's consistent about building, when we understand we're building in the local area, we're affecting our nation, we're crossing cultures, we're affecting internationally and generationally, we're building that treasure that is laid up for us in heaven. Amen? Okay, this question was so, this is what just spoke to my heart. Should I be a certain level of faith or growth? before I jump in and join a church family? I love that question because it took me right back to where I was over 20-some years ago. I walked into a local church. Pastor Mike and Rhonda were serving as youth pastors at the time. And I walked into that church, and I sensed the presence of God. The presence of God was there from the time I was greeted to the time worship was going on to the time there was the teaching of the Word of God, I could sense his presence, and I wanted more of that. But some of it, I will tell you, did not just fly over my head. It hit me right here, like in the forehead. Like some of it was so deep, I just didn't understand it, right? And I was sitting in the church family, and I was looking at other men and women who had been serving God in that church family, and I thought, they are spiritual giants. I will never get to that point of understanding. Uh, Will I ever be able to grasp this? But I kept going because I sensed God's presence was there. And, And what happened in that time is as I just kept going and I kept being a part of that, that's when I started serving with other people. That's when discipleship took place. That's when I started growing in the character and the faith of God. I just kept going. And I think about... The woman in John chapter 4, the woman at the well who Jesus encountered. She was just going, a Samaritan woman was just going to the well to collect water. She was like the dry valley. She didn't even know she had a need. She certainly didn't think she had any seed. She was just going to get water, and she encountered Jesus. And when she encountered Jesus, Jesus said to her, Will you get me some water? And they had this discussion. Now she engaged with Jesus, right? And then as she asked him, she said, why are you talking to me, a Samaritan woman? Jesus was already crossing cultures there. Why are you talking to me, a Samaritan woman? And he said, listen, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't, we wouldn't just be talking about this while here. You'd be asking me for living water. And Jesus says, I want to pour into your life 
living water. So here was the lady that didn't even know that she had a need. She didn't even know that she had a seed in her heart that God had planted there, but she had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he starts prophesying into her life about her past, and he starts declaring things to her about a hope and a future, and he starts declaring to her things about living water that she would be able to take and drink from and never thirst again, that she would be a vessel of that living water. And as it resonated in her spirit, she ran back to her town and she said, listen, I met a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? Come with me and come and meet him. So here was a woman that didn't even know she had a need. She didn't know that God had planted a seed in her life and she became the first church planter in her town. She brought people to Jesus. What I'm trying to say to you today is, do you have to be a certain level? No, you don't have to be a certain level. Just have a heart that's willing to encounter Jesus and jump on in. The water is fine. God will be faithful in continuing to grow you and continuing to use you. I just think that's so exciting. I don't think you guys are getting it, and it's really hard to preach. (laughs) Come on. That is exciting. God wants to breathe on your barren land. He wants to show and reveal the seed that he's put into your heart, and he wants to see it grow and develop for a super bloom. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of their God. That's what I have for you this morning. If I can have the worship team come on up and the altar workers, I'll have you invite you to stand with me. I'm just grateful for the family of God. I'm grateful for what God does in and through the family of God. I'm grateful for the gifts that God has deposited in his house because we lack no good thing when everybody is activated, when everybody is doing what they're called to do. There may be someone here today, you're just processing it. You've never asked Jesus into your heart You contemplate the word of, well, I don't know about that dry ground. Does God really have a divine design and calling for me? Does he really have a divine destiny for me? Yes, he does. All he's wanting you to do is be willing to have an encounter with him. He'll take care of the rest. And as you just pursue him and encounter him, God says, I'm going to put you into a super bloom. Things that you didn't know were there, I'm going to cultivate that. I'm going to shift the environment on that thing. I'm going to pour out living water on that. So all you have to do is just surrender to Jesus. If that's you today and you've never given your heart to the Lord, I just want to encourage you. Now's your chance. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin and came back to life with resurrection power. I don't want to live apart from you. I repent of my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. Be Lord of my life. I give you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church family, I just want to share a couple things with you I didn't share in the first service. I just believe.
we are called prophetically church for the harvest. I believe that we are living in a day and age that supersedes biblical proportion. I recently learned of a statistic. I've always known baby boomers to be the greatest generation. Millennials, you've superseded the baby boomers. There's more millennials than there are baby boomers. For the first time in history, there's a generation that outnumbers the baby boomers. There's more millennials than there are baby boomers. Why does that matter? Only 15% of them are Christians. We've got our work cut out for us. We are called Church for the Harvest. I'm not responsible for the generations that went before me, but I am responsible for this generation and the ones that come after. And Lord, find me faithful in Jesus' name. So that's the challenge I have for you, church family. As we go forward, I loved Henry's take on why we're building a new building. It's for worship. It's to see Jesus magnified and lifted high so that others would come to know him. He gets it. He gets it. So, Lord, I just pray right now for my church family, Lord. Holy Spirit, you said what you needed to say to each and every heart to spur them on, to challenge them to come in on a higher level with you, to grow to increase in their capacity, to understand their gifts and callings and to be faithful to put them to use. Lord, I just pray right now that you would just start a fire in each and every one of us, that we wouldn't be satisfied with being stagnant, but God, we would always be found pursuing you, pursuing you and building the kingdom. Father God, locally, nationally, across cultures, internationally and generationally, I pray. Bless each and every person here today in your name.